At Alina Health, we care about your health and wellness. Learn how Alina Health provides care that can benefit you in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. Do you have insomnia? Today we're talking about two therapies that complement each other and highlight the expanding services at Alina Health. My guests today are Mary Bashara. She specializes in integrative complementary medicine at Penny George Institute for Health and Healing, Abbott Northwestern Alina. And Dr. Michael Schmitz. He's a licensed psychologist specializing in behavioral sleep medicine at Abbott Northwestern's Hospitals Neuroscience Institute. Welcome to the show, both of you. So, Dr. Schmitz, I'd like to start with you. Please give a working definition. How would somebody know what is insomnia? Well, insomnia is uh, is defined uh, primarily as a difficulty in falling asleep or staying asleep. Uh, and uh, with that, even if you have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, its uh, essential feature is that there's daytime uh, difficulties. So people feel tired uh, or have difficulty with daily activities as a result of the sleep problem. Would you be the first person to notice that, or would someone you love, like sleep apnea, would somebody else be noticing that you are rolling around and not getting asleep? Well, typically in my clinic, it's the, the person who uh, notices it uh, first is the, often the, the spouse or bed partner of the person with insomnia, the tossing and turning, the concern, and the difficulties that tend to mount over time as people uh, struggle to get some control over their sleep. So if somebody is suffering from from insomnia, how do you diagnose it? We, we've heard about sleep clinics and sleep evaluations, Dr. Schmidt. So I'm going to start with you first. Tell how you evaluate this. Well, I think that when you talk about insomnia, I think uh, probably the first place for many people to start would actually be, uh, you know, setting an appointment with their primary care physician. And the reason I say that is, is the sleep center is not the first place where a person with insomnia would want to visit. Uh, primary care uh, is, is the place where, you know, uh, uh, an informed, uh, skilled, and caring physician can uh, take a look at whether or not and perhaps how other uh, medical problems that might be influencing sleep. It's also a place where they can seek that first counseling around uh, improving their sleep habits and health. So then, Mary, if somebody comes to you and they are suffering from insomnia, what's the first thing you tell them? Well, usually we're seeing them on a consultation basis, and they have either come by the advice of their physician or they've decided that they want to do something that is out of the box. And when I say out of the box, I say it with um, regard for integrative medicine, that we look at other approaches to helping with sleep um, beside the the approaches that might be taken with allopathic medicine, um, like um, medications or things like that. So why don't you, Mary, explain the type of therapies that you're talking about? Well, we offer therapies ranging from acupuncture, biofeedback, nutrition, massage, um, and as well as integrative medicine consults. So we're really looking at the whole person, body, mind, and spirit, and how sleep affects all of those aspects, of course, but also, too, how um, lack of sleep is affected um, within all of those, and all of those become part of the treatment. 
So important. We're learning more and more about the health benefits of sleep and the and the problems that come from a lack of sleep. And Dr. Schmitz, tell about some of the differences in the types of therapies that you provide. Well, the therapies that uh, we provide at our behavioral sleep medicine clinic uh, come from uh, about 25 years of clinical experience and research in which uh, a series of strategies and interventions have come together that have been shown to be uh, very effective, actually equally or more effective than sleep medication in treating insomnia. We really look at insomnia in some sense as kind of a, uh, the the body uh, uh having a sense state of hyperarousal and figuring out ways to change behaviors and habits that will help people get uh, uh, quieter and improved sleep uh, by reducing this level of activation and arousal before bed uh, and during the bed as well. And we will talk about sleep hygiene, but Dr. Schmitz, for a minute, speak about a sleep medicine evaluation because people hear about these sleep clinics. They don't know, how can I actually get a night's sleep in a room when I know somebody's got wires on me and they're keeping track of me? What happens at those? Uh, Great question. So uh, after a visit with primary care, there's been a referral usually to a sleep center when there's a suspicion of either, uh, uh, we call them intrinsic sleep disorders, but whether there might be somebody with excessive snoring, possible sleep apnea, or other uh, medical issues that might be contributing to sleep. So what you're referring to is an overnight sleep study, or what we call polysomnography, in in which a patient will stay overnight, and we will monitor everything from brainwave activity, breathing, even eye movements to determine uh, how a person is sleeping and determine whether there's something that... um, essentially biologically is affecting the quality of sleep. Now, with insomnia, it's important to say that for most patients with insomnia, we would not do an overnight sleep study, and instead we would do a thorough clinical interview based upon what the primary care physician has already determined to see uh, what we need to do to improve patient uh, sleep, and that's where a sleep psychologist uh, such as myself uh, kind of gets into action to help a patient uh, look at a variety of things that would be affecting the quality of sleep in a given night. It's such a multidisciplinary approach that you two have together. So what are the benefits, Mary, of each type of these therapies? So your therapy treats the whole person and, as you call it, integrative and complementary, but yet so many of what you're discussing is sort of sleep hygiene common sense. Yeah. So when you look at sleep, it's so multifactorial. What's going on with the patient? They may have an underlying Um, disorder of an entirely different origin that is then affecting sleep. So really ruling that out and understanding that and integrating that into a plan is going to be important. So the idea then of of dealing with sleep, there's so many different ways to help it. From the very foods we eat to the exercise we get in a day to possible herbs and teas that we could potentially used to treat it. Each one of these might be an option. And in our visits, we really try to um, develop a toolkit so that people are really making smart lifestyle choices that are going to enhance their sleep. We also need to address all the other things that are going on as well, but we got to get the basics right. And so that's why looking at the body, mind, and spirit just really makes a lot of sense in insomnia. And Dr. Schmitz, how do you refer to each other to enhance patient care at Alina? Well, I think kind of building upon what Mary is saying, um, when we treat insomnia, we really want to uh, 
meet the patient where they're at. And in some instances, patients, uh, you know, after our evaluation or maybe after we've tried some treatment uh, strategies, uh, are open to or have a preference for looking at uh, more holistic uh, mind-body strategies. And so uh, a lot of that comes out just in uh, getting to know the patient and either that they've benefited from uh, some of the strategies and and uh, offerings that uh, uh, integrative medicine has or just, uh, you know, getting a sense that let's try something different uh, in an effort to uh, reduce uh, symptoms and help the patient sleep better. We'll speak about cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, Dr. Mike, just a little bit, and and then kind of tie in how you, when you talk to a patient, how you consider medication versus cognitive behavioral therapy. Great. So um, you had mentioned earlier sleep hygiene, and I think that's often viewed as kind of a common sense approach. And it's important to make a distinction between sleep hygiene and cognitive behavioral therapy. There's Part of this is because there are different kinds of insomnia. For that uh, few nights of bad sleep or first bout of insomnia, straightening out sleep hygiene, eliminating the caffeine, and doing some of those common sense things often do work. But for the person who has chronic long-term uh, insomnia, there are often uh, many behavioral factors that are uh, unintentionally learned and habits that actually make the bed uh, not a very comfortable place for sleep. So we utilize strategies uh, that may seem at the front end uh, maybe a little bit uh, difficult or challenging, such as uh, we utilize sleep restriction therapy. We actually limit the time in bed in an effort to build sleep drive. We deal with the negative thoughts and worries and fears that often uh, are automatically provoked when a patient gets into bed. We'll adjust the timing of their sleep because we want to make sure that the biological rhythms inherent to a particular patient match up with their sleep schedule. And then we deal with some of the day-to-day things that occur in life uh, that can interrupt sleep and see if we can um, uh, change those to, so that sleep can be more, um, more continuous. Sleep medications um, are not necessarily the first line. And patients who are typically con- uh, considered for sleep medications are those that might have significant uh, uh, stress or strain on a short-term basis where a week or two of a a sleep medication might be the thing they need to get over the initial uh, challenge or stress or medical problem that confronts them. But as a long-term strategy, uh, sleep medications are typically not the the best strategy uh, unless there's a long-term chronic medical problem uh, that's determined uh, uh, to exist where medication might be a longer-term approach. There we are- certainly could do a whole entire show on some of the sleep medications people see in the media, but as we're running out of time, Mary, tell us about shared medical visits. How do they work and what patients can expect? So when patients have a chronic disorder like insomnia, they've tried a million different things before they perhaps come into our clinic, and we offer a visit that includes multiple people with the same disorder in the same room. And we meet for about two hours. And what we do is we will practice Tai Chi in the beginning of the visit. You'll also have uh, time with a physician or advanced practice nurse um, in that uh, shared medical visit. But most of the visit is conducted by um, this group process where we discuss it and where people are saying, hey, that, that question pertains to me, too. I'm glad 
the person next to me asked it. So the idea of building synergy off of the patient and being able to utilize um, an extended period of time of two hours um, is a great opportunity to introduce new types of therapies like mindfulness meditation or giving them ideas on the types of foods that are actually going to increase our tryptophan, which um, is the um, chemical that helps uh, uh, feed into melatonin. And so those kinds of things are the types of tools that we can discuss. And as doing it as a group, people can ask questions, and they oftentimes will help each other through difficult chronic illnesses like insomnia. And then how many visits would it take? How can they, can they expect to see improvements after going through their first visit with you? You know, I've uh, been running these shared medical visits for a year, a couple of years now. And what I have really enjoyed seeing is how excited patients get. They get very energized about being able to apply something that very night to what they're doing. And we may recommend something as simple as a tea. And then the next week, as they come back, they go, hey, this worked or this didn't work. Um, And as they compare with the other folks that are in the room, oftentimes I see progression, but the biggest part of progression is that they're motivated. And so partnering with patients is a huge deal. And I'm going to give you the last word, Dr. Schmitz. Give us your best advice on people suffering from insomnia and what other information you really want them to know. Well, if, I think the first thing, uh, you know, for people suffering from insomnia is, uh, is to really uh, to not ignore the problem and, and to uh, start with the fundamentals. As Mary uh, mentioned, uh, people have often tried a variety of strategies. Uh, and when we look, uh, interview patients, they will often try something for a day or two or for maybe a week, and then they abandon it. So getting back to the fundamentals of sleep, hygiene, and habits, make sure that you get up at the same time every day. Make sure you don't spend uh, more time in bed than you think you need for sleep. Not everybody needs eight hours, but the amount of sleep you think you need. Make sure you wind down before bed and never, never stay in bed if you're worrying, thinking, or uh, ruminating about your next day's activities or all the things in the world that might be concerning you. You never want to bring worry, fear, and concern about your insomnia into the bedroom. Only sleep and, uh, and uh, relaxation and intimacy should be part of the bed. Thank you so much, both of you, for being with us today. It's really great information. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And this is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.